AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Peace, everybody. This is Mark Lamont Hill, and you are listening to The What? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. Make sure you check it out every week. What's up, guys, and welcome to the What Hip Hop Questions Legends and List. I'm yeah. Alex Simone. And I am the man that puts the jux in juxtaposition, Mouse Jones. And this week we have a very special guest, Arthur Professor and activist, Mark Lamont Hill. Welcome yeah. to the What. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Congratulations on everything. Congratulations on all you've been doing and all the success and all the work you've been doing. Thank you. I think it's very important that we, you know, in, in these moments that we get, you know, uh, thought thought leaders and, and activists and people actually moving the needle forward. It, it's important to acknowledge that. I appreciate that, my brother. Always good to see you. Now it's good to meet you and to build with y'all. This is going to be dope, man. I love what y'all doing with this show. I love the idea. I love all of it. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully you feel like that after the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Mark- I wish we were in person because, you know, whenever Mouse starts to make his crazy, terrible um, opinions, we throw tomatoes at him. We always have tomatoes like on deck. So, you know, sorry it has to be through Zoom, but I'm so happy to have you as well. Oh, now, Mark, from abortion rights to climate change to gun control, there's a whole bunch of issues that's uh, currently impacting the country. Is there an issue that you care most about? I wouldn't say most about because I think all those things connect the same. Um, the thing that is in my face the most right now, um, the thing that has me the most um, or the least optimistic at the moment is this issue around reproductive rights. You know, when I look at the Supreme Court, when I look at the layout of the Supreme Court and when I look at how carefully the right wing has crafted this project, um, it, it's actually stunning. You know, year after year, there was a time, let me put it like this, there was a time when people thought abortion rights couldn't go anywhere. There was a time when people say, you know what, we don't even have to to put this into law in a certain kind of way because the, the court has decided it's the law of the land, that's it. It would be like it would be like reversing voting rights. It would be like reversing, you know, for black folk. You know, it would be like it would be like something like that. Um, 
and they just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at the state level, chipping away, getting the right judges in, chipping away at public opinion, chipping away, buying this politician and that by a politician. Um, and then by the end, they get to a point where you get Donald Trump. They get to a point where they get to elect Supreme Court or select Supreme Court justices. Uh, and they get to a point where suddenly they overturn what was a solemn and sacred right for women uh, for, for decades. And I think that the, the scary part of it for me is not just that it happened, is that we didn't see it coming when we should have. When I guess when when should we have? Because obviously it's not right when it happened. Like when when uh, uh, can you identify? Can you point out a time where you where we should have took more uh, paid yeah. more attention to it so that the 80s you know, in the 80s, the 80s, you know, they they, they they never didn't say what they were doing. You know, it would be like a giant of, of a big ass wall between here and Mexico popped up, right? <laughs> right. Like, well, Donald Trump told you that's what he's going to do. Right. We just thought it was so unrealistic and so impossible that it wasn't anything to worry about. But the difference is, this was a realistic goal because so many Americans uh, take that position, particularly mm. you know people who are on on the religious right. Also, slowly, carefully, Republicans since the nineteen eighties have been appointing judges. This is the, this is the part that people keep missing. They appoint judges at the at, not just at the Supreme Court level. That's you know that's every you get one appointment maybe if you're lucky as a president in your whole term, um, but at the at the federal level. And then you look locally, state levels, you see more and more courts moving to the right. So the, the groundwork had been set since the 1980s and we watched it happen. And it's like we just didn't focus. And I think one of the challenges we have often as a community, and I don't mean black people, I mean, just as, as Americans, is we think about the presidential election as like the Super Bowl. And that's the only thing we get up for. You know, mm -hmm. some people only watch the Super Bowl. Right. They don't watch no other game. They don't care about nothing else, but they'll watch the Super Bowl. A lot of us treat the, the presidential election that way. So when elections are happening on the state level, when when we're deciding who the mayor is going to be, when we're deciding who the, the house of, or the state house is going to be, when we decide who our aldermen are going to be in a city like like uh, Chicago, you know, we're not there. And so the outcomes are different than we want and the policies are different than we want. And so we, we look at this like, finally, like if you think about like um, so an issue like uh, gender neutral bathrooms, you know, the fight against gender neutral bathrooms isn't being waged at the federal level. It's being waged at the state level. Mm. And so when you look all, at all these states, they keep winning the battle because they've been fighting for the state house. We all want to worry about who the president was going to be, where the whole state house is, is, is Republican. Mm. I feel like a lot of people in our community don't necessarily really understand how it works, like from state level to winning different seats and stuff like that. So how do you think I guess we as activists in our own rights, um, we can like reach the masses and inform people and let people know, because like you said, it's kind of similar. Like They're not hiding it from us. And you even mentioned like, it's kind of like um, repressing voting rights, which they are doing currently. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, we know these things are happening, but what can we do? Education, political education has to take place everywhere. If, Imagine if I wanted to be a pop star or a rap star, right? And I thought all I had to do was just be able to rap, <laughs> right? Like I, on its face, it seems right. 
right? Like, you know, if, you, if, 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 if I can rap and I make good music, enough people, somebody will like it, somebody will listen to it, and I'll become, I'll become famous for this song. But it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. There's a million things you got to do to be a star that got nothing to do with being able to rap. Conversely, there are people who are stars who can't rap, right? Because they know those other things, right? That's how politics is. It's not just about the most popular idea. There are a lot. There's, most Americans wanted universal health care for decades. You know, most Americans um, didn't give a shit whether gay people got married or not at some point, right? I mean, there's lots of stuff that most Americans want. Right. Most Americans, I'll give you a better example. Most Americans want reasonable gun control. Most Americans don't want the right to walk through walk through cities with AK 47s and grenade launchers. Right. Like most people think it's reasonable that if that if you're gonna get a gun, you should get a background check and that you should have a, a, a certain kind of criminal record, criminal record clearance, and that, that you shouldn't have a history of violence, that you shouldn't have a, a particular well, I don't want to stigmatize mental illness, but a particular type of mental illness that that doesn't go well with having access to guns, right? These are reasonable things, but a very small slice of people is able to stop us from getting those reasonable things, not because their vote counts for, for more votes in, 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 in technical terms, right? One vote is one vote, but because they know how to organize politicians so that the senators listen to those 10 people more than they listen to these 500 people, right? There's a system at play. You got to figure out how to do that, right? You got to figure out how to get DJs to play your music. You gotta get you, you gotta figure out how to how, how to get a buzz. You gotta figure out how to do this and this and this and this and this. And similarly in politics, people think that if they just have an idea, or that if enough people want this thing to happen, it's gonna happen. But what we need is not just um public sentiment. We need organized power. We need money. We we need to allocate resources. And, and we need to teach people what's at stake when we make one decision versus another. And so that's political education now. And then we actually have to sway public opinion. That's the other thing. We actually got to teach people why you might not want, why you might value the Second Amendment as I do, right? But why that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have reasonable legislation, right? Why you, you, think, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. Do you think it's possible to have like an organized power? Yeah, we have it all the time. We have an organ, or, or, organized people is the only thing that defeats organized power, mm. right? Organized power is always in place. Any, it, all, all the things we see is organized power. It's just a question of who has the power, right? Organized power is why we don't have gun control. Organized power is why women, women, or, or, or and birthing people in general are losing uh, reproductive freedoms, right? The question is, um, can we wrest that power away from the, the the powerful and give it to us? And your question is the perfect one, right? Can that happen? Can we do that? Yes, because we, we've always done it. There was, if I were, if any of us were, to take a poll in 1965, right, the year of Voting Rights Act, if it, and say, should black people get the right to vote without restriction, right? <laughs> we lose. Right? <laughs> we lose, right? Like, I mean, this is the year of the Voting Rights Act, right? It. This this is a this is a congressional act, but if we had, if it had gone to the polls, if it had gone to vote, we would have lost, right? If in eighteen sixty three we'd had a poll, should slavery end, we would have lost, right? So how do we keep winning? Well, because we organize, we fight, right? We fight against power. Slave masters didn't retire. Right. We decided that we were going to organize and fight to the point that they would lose. 
So I always have faith in the people. I always believe in the people. It's an uphill battle. It's not guaranteed, but we keep winning unwinnable battles. Mm. The only reason why I ask if you think it's currently possible is because uh, I guess in a sense of like our community, I'm referring to like, you know, like the Panther movement and then like Mm -hmm. the Nation of Islam and just like it seems like every time we try to build something that is ours and for us to empower us and enlighten us um, on what to do instead of being swayed by propaganda and only caring about the Super Bowl, quote unquote, you know, like you become a martyr. You know what I mean? And that's why I applaud you. It's like, you know, you always represent without that, um, without getting shot. problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good, yo. Knock, knock on, let me knock on some wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so congrats. You ain't caught one yet. No, it, this is the thing. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think that what makes this movement and this moment a little bit different and a little bit even more brimming with hope for me is that we're not a single person, right? We are not a leaderless movement. We are a leaderful movement. Mm. We got lots of them. Like nobody, if, if no one's going to say, who, if you say who's the leader of black people in, in 2022, Jay-Z, not a bad answer. It ain't a bad answer, right? There's a whole bunch of people who want to have brunch with them, right? They're like 500,000, man, fuck that. Get, I have 500,000? Nah, I'm going to see home, boy. Right, exactly. Oh, my God. Wait, Jay owes us a TED Talk. While we're here, I would love a TED Talk from Jay-Z. I, oh, I would, too. I, 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 I would take that TED I Talk. Would pay, I would pay the $500,000 I was supposed to get for the front <laughs> to go to the TED Talk. <laughs> but, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Mo. No, but you, you make a good point, right? So th- th- we have leaders in, in, in culture that people look to for, for, for legitimate leadership, right? We got leaders in, in industry who people look to. We got actual elected officials. We don't need a president of black people to just be self-appointed. We had an actual black president, right? W- whatever you think of the, that black president, we had black people in all these offices. We had black people in all kinds of spaces, right? Right. And and we have the activists. We have the people on the ground organizing, trying to trying to get us free through through those means. All of those people are leaders. So if if in, in 1963, if I said who lead the black people, people might say Dr. King, right? They might have said a decade before A. Philip Randolph in, in the late 60s or 65, Malcolm passes. They may have said Malcolm was our leader. After that, they might have, you know, might have looked at Huey. But it was a very small slice of people. Right. And, and, and no one would have said Harry Belafonte or um, or Sidney Poitier, although they were incredible, powerful people. Right. Who, who were instrumental in, in moving our agenda forward. But now we got all these people. And so you can't just shoot one person. You can't just co tell pro down an organization. Right. You can't just frame somebody. You can't just assassinate somebody's character and, 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 and eliminate them. You can do all them things, but you, it doesn't end the movement. And so I think the best example of that is what happened when George Floyd is killed. And I talk about this uh, in my new book, Seen and Unseen. You know, George Floyd gets killed. And we take to the streets. Everybody thought when Trayvon was killed, that, that was the moment. And in some ways it was. Then we went down to Ferguson in 2014 after Mike Brown was killed. And everybody said, oh, this is the moment. Shit going to change. Black Lives Matter. All this stuff is happening. This is the moment. And then George Floyd is killed. And people said, 
oh, this is the moment. And from my estimation, in some ways, that is the moment. But when I say the moment, I mean the moment that 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 moment like Emmett Till in 1955 or Rodney King in 91, where where after this incident happens, the world shape shifts, uh, policy changes, people hit the ground and do something different. We keep having those moments because we got so many people on the ground doing different things. And in the age of George Floyd, we took to the ground and it, we didn't just march and tear shit up. Although sometimes you got to do that. Laws have changed. In the, in the age of Breonna, Breonna Taylor, no-knock warrants have, have been eliminated in the state of Kentucky because we organized. People are defunding police departments around the country because we organized. You can't run for a uh, mayor of a major city, for example, and not have a position on, on, on who your police department how your police department is going to run, who your police chief is going to be, whether you're going to have body cameras or not, what your position is on bail reform, et cetera. These are questions that nobody asked the mayor 10 years ago, except in a few cities, like maybe New York. But in general, we didn't do that. But now we do it, not because this, the, this, the state, the government, the powerful changed their minds, but because we forced them to. So, so right now, despite all the stuff they do to our leaders, historically, I feel more confident than ever that we could win. Now, how, how now I'm with that, right? But with with this power and with this organization, it's like, what do we do in instances where it's like, all right, well, they're committed to, you know, what I mean, like nobody's more committed to racism and oppression than racists and oppressors, right? Like you look in North, true. You you look in North Carolina where that entire police unit or police whatever the proper term is that. That entire police officer moment, they quit when when the new mayor came in or the new the, the new yeah. black person came into power. So you know, in that moment, what are we doing? Like, what 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 is our response then? Right when their when their response to change is so drastic. One, you white people being upset can't be the measure of our success. Mm-hmm. Racists being angry shouldn't be the measure of our success but to the extent that it is i'm happy when they mad i'm happy when they all quit (laughs) that's a good day i think that um one of the things that i always hold on to is the fact that change isn't made by the majority it's just not right it's it's just like when i talk about taking a vote on our rights you know 50 years ago shit maybe even now in some states we wouldn't win but we don't need that we need a small group of dedicated organized people White people are going to be dragged to racial justice. Men are going to be dragged to gender justice. People don't operate against their interest intuitively, not most people. So a small group of people will fight and organize and drag them to freedom. So you're currently listening to the What Hip Hop Questions, Legends and Lists. We'll be right back after this break. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Um, you mentioned your book. I want to get into it. Seeing, unseen, it. Uh, the, the your book. It speaks about the way. Um, it, you're so smart. I, I say this every time we talk. But it's like <laughs> hey, bro, the things, it. the things you highlight and the things you put a spotlight on are not always these like um hidden gems. They're like right in front of our face, and somebody should have been breaking it down a very long time ago. But they don't until you come along. So so in your new book, you discuss how media affects uh, the way people view race. Yeah. So yeah. what what even invoked, you know, the thought process behind creating this book? And, and what are what are some hopes behind, you know, or what are some yeah. like, actionable success points you're looking for from from this book? That's a, that's a good question, man. I, I, I think the thing that that shook me to my core was watching George Floyd be executed. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember the Rodney King beating. I was, I was a kid then, I was a teenager. And, uh, I remember, I remember watching them beat Rodney King. And I remember hearing black people say, finally, we got proof. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I ain't met a black person that was surprised that Rodney King got beat by the police. I, I ain't met one yet. Uh, maybe a few, but but but, but not many. Um, there's a special kind of black people that <laughs> we know that we all know some of them. But in general, that black people weren't surprised that he got killed. I mean, that he got beaten. That Rodney King was beaten. The difference was back then we didn't have the ability to say, um, "Look at what they did to me." Right? This guy was on his balcony taking. He bought a video camera, a big camcorder like we had back in the day. And he was a plumber who was just experimenting with video. And he happened to turn the camera and see the police whooping this black man's behind and videotaped it and submitted it. But other than that, there, no one would have seen this. And when black people saw the video, when, when America saw the video, they were shocked. And they were able to say, oh, my God, this isn't the country I know. Oh, my God, this isn't how I understand how the world works. And then we had a trial. And as a teenager, I remember thinking, we're getting justice today. It didn't even question it. Didn't even question it. Because how could you not? You could see it. The camera was our ability to tell our truth in a world that doesn't believe that Black people have the capacity to tell the truth. Mm. Right? Black witness, Black testimony doesn't count. Black people saying we're getting beaten was never enough. Black people saying the police are fucking us up every day was never enough, even when we don't get killed, right? 
just walking through the hood, just we, our relationship to police growing up, no one ever, everybody was told, oh, they're exaggerating. Try explaining to somebody who grew up, even in the 2000s, right? Before pre-Uber, like what it's like to get a cab in New York. People always told me I was exaggerating about, about trying to get a cab in New York. I couldn't get a cab in New York easily, not at night. Hell no. And if I did, I had to tell them I was going to a different place and then get in the car and then, and then be like, actually, you know what? I'm actually going to East New York. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I'm actually, <laughs> you know what I mean? For the record, I would not drop you off in East New York. Just saying. Don't <laughs> yeah, right. But you wouldn't be a cab driver, <laughs> right? Like, I'm with you. I wouldn't go, I, I wouldn't either. Shit, I was impressed every time they did. But see, I wouldn't take a job. This is like I wouldn't run into a burning building. But if I'm a firefighter, that's kind of the job, you know? Right. I can't right. be a firefighter like, no, nigga, you crazy. You know how hard it's hard out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. And, and so there's a way that the, the the media, media technology allow us to tell those truths and expose those those realities in a different way. Um, the difference is Rodney King, it was a one-off. We all couldn't walk around with big-ass camcorders. Yeah, yeah. And now, in the age of George Floyd, we don't have to walk around with camcorders. We got cell phones. Right. We can record all these. It's not that suddenly all these black people started getting beat. It's that all of a sudden we had evidence of it. Mm. And when I watched George Floyd, I kept thinking to myself, as did my, my co-author Todd, why now? We've seen lots of these beatings. What was it about this beating? What was it about this murder that was different? And for me, Part of it was how long the beating was. It was nine minutes, 29 seconds. Watching somebody put a knee in somebody's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds is gruesome. It was like watching a, a photograph, a still photograph, because it was because of how gruesomely steady he was, right? It was like watching Emmett Till or, or a lynching photo from Ida B. Wells. But it also was a video. And we watched him scream out for his mom. We watched him beg for mercy. We watched him say, just like Eric Garner did, that he couldn't breathe. We caught all of that, and America reacted. You couldn't say he was fighting back. You couldn't say he shouldn't have ran. You couldn't say he should have should have pulled his pants up. You couldn't all the shit they say to justify murdering black people. They couldn't say, and so that video circulated and changed the world. It changed the world, and I wanted to figure out, well, how does that happen? Why does that happen? And when else has it happened? And so when you look through our history, you see these different moments where black folk and white folk have used technology, media to tell the truth. We think we tend to think about social media as new and, and the Internet is new, but social media is old. You know, we, a, a flyer to a party was social media. It was just a much slower form of social media. You know what I mean? Um, a telephone, an old school telephone is technology. A microwave is technology. It's just different. It's older technology. So I'll, I'll give you one example, just so people get what I'm saying. Black people have always used these tools to help expose our truth. Emmett Till was killed August 28, 1955. He was dragged and beaten and thrown in the Tallahatchie River. Boy from Chicago killed in Mississippi. His mom had an open casket funeral so that the world. Yes. Mamie Taylor said, I want the world to see what they did to my baby, what they did to my boy. So when you look at the cover of Jet Magazine that week, who's on the cover but this boy with a head three, four times his normal size, disfigured in an open casket. What did she do? She used technology, the camera. She used social media, Jet Magazine. Think about it. 
And I, I grew up in Jet Magazine, man. When you go to when I go to my Uncle Bobby's house, see Jet Magazine. Jet Magazine had the news. It had every black person that got a job. It had the, <laughs> yeah. right anybody who got a big promotion. It had right. the top music artists. It had the beauty of the week. You know what I'm saying? It had everything you needed to know in Jet Magazine. That was our social media. You, you knew you made it big when you hit Ebony or Jet Magazine or Essence, right? She used technology. Dr. King, when we got beat on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 65, he knew that the news cameras would watch our beating. He's like, you're not going to beat us in secret no more. You're not going to beat us in the dark no more. You're going to beat us on, on national TV. He used the technology of the day, the, the evening news cameras, and he used the social media of the day, the news itself, to leverage, right? That's what we're doing every day with this. It ain't perfect. Rodney King, his, his, he still didn't get justice, right? Trayvon Martin still didn't get justice, right? You know, Breonna Taylor still didn't get justice, right? Whether whether we got tools, technology, whatever. But it's a weapon. And it's a weapon that helps us get where we need to be. And I want to tell that story from the 1800s to right now. I do want to ask you this quick question because every time me and you speak, it's, it, it, I always want to ask you this question, but we always just get off on a tangent. So I do yeah. want to ask you this question. Um, only if the answer is, is quick enough for us to, to, to move on. I, I don't want. Yeah, I'll give you a quick answer. I, I, I'll be better. I'll be shorter. No, it's not you. It's the it's the it's the question. It's, 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 it's how loaded I feel the question is sometimes. But um, when you were talking about just a few seconds ago, you said um, you know, they still didn't get justice, and um, you know, uh, they 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 they, they we don't want to be up. That's what it was when you said uh, when when Martin Luther King uh knew the news camera was going to beat us. Why is it always, at least to the masses, why is it always nonviolence? Why have black people always chosen nonviolence as the response, especially when, if you look at history, no revolution has come without bloodshed. So why are we, why have we always been, I hate the word tamed or trained or groomed, but why has it always been passed down from all the thought leaders that nonviolence is the, is the best way to go? Well, I, first I'd say that there's a wide range um, of diverse thought yeah. um, on this and that many black leaders in history have not advocated nonviolence. They've advocated armed insurrection, revolution, etc. A more interesting question might be, and this might be bigger than the show, but it's something that you think about is why are all the leaders that become our top leaders why are all the leaders who make it to the to the pinnacle of of, of being seen and understood and, and, and legitimized as leaders the ones who advocate nonviolence? That might be the question, right? You know, man, you're smart. <laughs> it's, it's 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 an interesting. It, 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 it's like the hip hop question, right? We'd be like, why do all the rappers only rap about this? Like, no, it's not the only rappers only rap about this. It's just the rappers that make it on this radio station, or the rappers that make it on this late. They're the ones. Who, who, who rap like people rap about all kinds of shit, right? Um, and and I think that's an interesting moment. But I mean, if you think about from the moment we got here, um, there were slave rebellions, yeah, organized slave rebellions. People, there were people on the ship who said, "I'd rather jump off or kill myself than make it." Right? There are people who fought to turn ships back. They killed their masters. There are people who every single day, here's the other thing, there's something called everyday forms of resistance. There are people on plantations, enslaved Africans, on plantations who are poisoning their master. Mm -hmm. There were people who would wait for the moment. They couldn't wait to make, make master some tea. 
And when Massa didn't wake up, I don't know what happened, boss. Right? This is this is this is reality, right? And by the time you get to the King era, right? And I'm I'm skipping a whole a, a wide range of stuff, but there were there were other moments. I mean, even if you look at the the UNIA, United Negro Improvement Association, Marcus Garvey, they weren't fighting for armed rebellion against the U.S., but they were saying we got to leave. Yeah. They were saying we don't want to integrate into this. We don't want to be part of this. Uh, if, if you think about uh, some of the Black Hebrew movements of the 19, of the of the mid 20th century, they were like we got to we got to go, right? When you think about the Nation of Islam, they weren't advocating armed insurrection, but they certainly weren't advocating nonviolence. Right. They were arguing self-defense like in the Black Panther Party, who gets its 10 point platform. What the pan, uh, you know, the, the, the Panther 10 point platform comes from the Nation of Islam's what the Muslims want. The Nation of Islam's 10 point platform. And, and at no point is, is there an argument that this thing ends in peace. Right. Um, it was it was self-defense, but against the violent state, self-defense is going to lead to violence. Right. If, if you think about people like George Jackson, you go, y'all go out there and read Soledad, brother, and read Blood in My Eye, but read Soledad, brother, first. You know, there are people who are talking about military tactics and strategy to get out of this thing. If you think about our, our beloved sister, uh, Asada Shakur, and you think about our, all these people, they were part of movements and organizations that understood, to your point, Miles, you're a thousand percent right, that you don't have revolutionary freedom without revolutionary action. The point, though, is there are lots of leaders who don't believe in revolution. They're not beginning from a place of revolution. They're saying we don't want a revolution. We we want to weave into this thing. We want evolution. We want integration. We 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 want something different. We want something different. Now, King finally might you might argue, well, King understood that you don't get freedom without bloodshed, but in his nonviolent strategy, we were the ones bleeding. <laughs> right? Like, like we're gonna get out, we're gonna we're going to bleed and be beaten and harmed in such a way that it pricks at the sensibilities of, of white liberals and it forces the state to be accountable for what they've done to us, and therefore we advance. And you can make an argument that some of the most powerful um policy advances we've seen came from that approach. I'm not a non-violence, I don't believe in nonviolence as a philosophy. Right. Um, I believe it as a strategy, right? Now, violence is always a strategy. Now, violence is in the hood. Now, violence is a strategy. Right, right. Four dudes surround you, or, or you in a club and somebody bump you, you by yourself, and, and it's five of them. You, you got, got it. it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Now, violence is a strategy sometimes. <laughs> they got guns and you ain't got one, you run. Now, violence is a strategy, right? right? Now, violence is always okay as a strategy, but it can't be your overall philosophy, right? From my perspective. And that's why I differ from King and them. I was a bar. All right, so let's get into the music. This is the what hip hop questions, but this is this. So we want to know: Do you feel like hip hop should play a stronger role when it comes to politics? Stronger is an interesting question. I, I, I the older I get, <laughs> and this might be just some some old old man shit I'm, I'm on now. Um, the older I get, the more I wish hip hop talked about more stuff. You know, I, I'm just, I, I don't need hip hop to be talking about electropolitics, right? I don't need some rapper spitting bars about the new omnibus bill coming out of Congress. Like that's not for me what needs to happen. Um, but I would think somebody would have something to say about abortion, right? Just like, and, and I, I, I'm, I don't want to be all nostalgic, but I mean, there was a moment where people like Diggable Planets had songs like La Femme Fatale or where Common had Retrospect for Life, which was, a different take on abortion is actually a more 
anti-abortion song, or at least uh, in terms of his own individual choice at that moment. But it was a song that at least engaged the conversation, right? You had mainstream artists talking about this stuff in very particular ways that I think were useful. Um, I'm tired of hearing people talk about how much drugs they take. I'm tired of hearing people talking about um, which I find a lot less interesting than talking about how much drugs you sell. But, and that might just be my own generational thing, right? Like, I can at least wrap my mind around how much drugs you sell. I can, I can you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying sell drugs to the community, right? But, but however, if you're going to do something, like, you know what I mean? I can at least wrap my mind around that shit. You know what I mean? You can be yeah, he loves that Pusha T album. Oh, <laughs> I love a Pusha T album. You, you kidding me? Mark, you, Mark Lamar Hill said, be enterprising. <laughs> right. That's all I'm saying, right? At least with Pusha T, like you can rap, you know what I mean? You thinking about this shit, you drive down the street, listen to Pusha T, think about pretending you st- I was pretending I sell drugs and I'm not an anthropologist. You know what I mean? Like, I can, <laughs> I can, I can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can't, I can't, like, I, I can't get hype on, like, um, on, on, on just being high all the time. You know, that, that that's not, that's not cool to me. That's not, it's not that we didn't get high. It's just that, like, that wasn't the thing that we wasn't fiends. We wasn't fiends, and this right, this ain't even like on some like Snoop shit or some Devin the Dude shit, or you know, or or, or some mess and red, depending on what region you're from. It, it, it's it's to another level that I don't think is interesting or productive for our community. Now we had a whole bunch of shit in our area that wasn't productive for the community. I'm not trying to romanticize it. I'm just saying that I don't find this interesting, and I think that. It, the stuff in hip hop that people got mad about with us, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot, a lot of it um, was still political. It wasn't conscious. It wasn't explicitly political in the ways that people might want. But when Niggas for Life comes out. Oh, wow. Right. I didn't see you going there. Wow. You know, and, and that's the point, right? We tend to think about political hip hop. We go to public enemy. We go to you know, um, the, the kind of cultural nationalist groups, the native tongue stuff. We go, you know, to Paris, we go to Sister Soldier, we go to all this stuff, which is cool. All of that matters. Right. And I love all I love most of it. <laughs> I, love <all> of it. <laughs> I love most of it. But politics has never been about just that. The thing that hip hop has been able to do is push against the grain to tell the truth about the powerful. It was a weapon of the weak. It was the voice of the power of the, of, of the of the ostensibly voiceless people who we thought didn't have voices, but always find a way to say they voice. Right. These are kids who didn't have records or didn't have instruments and, and used the, the turntable as an instrument. These are people who made a way out of nowhere. So when I think about the possibilities of black folk getting free, I'm going back to the people we were talking about earlier, uh, Miles, the people we were talking about earlier now in terms of the. In terms of saying. Everyday people make change. Organized people defeat the organized power. When the Black Panthers were envisioning freedom, it wasn't getting the bourgeoisie on board. It was getting the lumpen, what we call the lumpen, the lumpen proletariat. It was about getting the gangsters and the dope boys and the pushers and the pimps, getting them to organize and be radical for freedom. The people Dead Prez talked about when they said revolutionary but gangster, right? right. So when I hear, to me, the most one of the most political songs in hip hop history is not before I get to Arizona, which was an important call to, for, for King Day, um, it, it wasn't stop the violence, right? Which was an important call for black people as a community to come together, right? Across crews, across coasts, 
to just to stop gang violence and stop violence in the street. I'm with that. It was fuck the police. Ooh, it was fuck the police. That's the political song. Because that's the shit that's going to change our material realities. That's the thing that hip hop can do that nobody else could do. Right. Nobody was going to get on a guitar and playing country music. Fuck the police. Right. Celine Dion wasn't going to get on or Gloria Estefan wasn't going to get on the microphone in the in the 80s and sing fuck the, and croon fuck the police. Luther wasn't going to do a run. You know, fuck the police. Right. But when N.W.A. does when Ice Cube stands up there. Right. Right. And talks about how you got it on these streets. Right. Because you brown. Right. They think they got the authority to kill a minority. They're rallying people around their organ, around their experience. They're saying, look, our everyday life is one of oppression. And the oppressor is the person who the world thinks is, is supposed to be protecting us and serving us. But they're not. And developing a disposition toward them. Now, there's a whole bunch of misogyny. There was a whole bunch of patriarchy in, in, in a whole bunch of homophobia in NW. I'm not saying that they were perfect. But they had a political critique of the police that, to me, had the ability to take everyday black people who weren't thinking about politics and organize them. That's the answer to your question. Now, that's that's the, that's how we win while they destroyed our movements. They ain't going to destroy. A, a, they ain't going to destroy all of us. But if I can get bloods and crips to be like something is wrong on these streets. I love mm-hmm. that. I, I want to say. Well, I just want to throw out one of my favorite records, even though it doesn't really apply to the masses, is KRS One Black Cop. Yes. Like, we can't really have you on the other side when we need you on this side. Yes. Yes. It's an analysis. Yeah. And I think to, I guess, back to the point of is it possible for us to have that unification? It's like we're not united. You know, if you're going to be a, a black cop, and I'm I'm not saying it in today's sense. I'm saying it in the sense of I am. I'm saying oh. I'm saying both fuck the police and black cop. Right. You know what I mean? Is a problem, right? But 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 think of what KRS is doing, right? He's not just saying you're a sellout. He's breaking down system system systemically what the problem is, right? Right? And how they're using you? Right. As Thirty years ago, you couldn't ride around the block, right? Right. So now, then you take people who are exploited and marginalized, right? Recently, police trained black cops to stand up on the corner and what? Take gunshots. We're talking about the way that the most vulnerable people will be weaponized against their own people. It's the same way we get put in the front lines of wars overseas like, to fight other poor black and brown people. Something Muhammad Ali said no to. It's the same principle, right? That 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 suddenly black, these black people are going to be put in positions of power, Eric Adams, right, to oversee, oversee, officer, 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 right? Overseer, right? That's that, that's that's the the linguistic shift that Karis one does from officer to overseer, showing the kind of etymological connection, right? Yep. To say black people, the, the freedom dream isn't for black people to be ruled by other black people. We didn't march to get beaten by black cops and to get locked up by black police commissioners, right? But instead, to have a different freedom. That's what Karis one at his best is doing. That's what NWA at their best are doing, and. I mean, Black Cop is a good ass choice. But I was, when he did the verses, man, that was one of the ones I was that and criminal minded. But I, 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 that's one of the joints that like is is underappreciated, I think, in hip hop. Agreed. That's super, Definitely super. agree. I think yeah, we all three agree on that one. Um, I mean, I, mine is <clears throat> uh, mine is Minority Report by Jay Z. I think mm. at that time when I think um when people 
were having, you know, all the critiques about mainstream hip hop and all that. But Hov to come back from his retirement, do um do the Kingdom Come album, and then like by name call out FEMA, the government, George Bush. Mm-hmm. Use those, use the I, I always have a thing in records, especially like politicized records or uh, like political driven records. It's one thing to hear our words and rap and hear our feelings, but I love it. And it might be because I love documentaries. I love when you take the real sound of what's going on. Like, don't just take my, um, don't just take what I'm saying. Don't just take my thoughts here. This is what I'm going off of. And so to open it up and hear, you know, the, the, the people in New Orleans telling them like, you know, y'all forgot us. We're, we're dying here. Um, so yeah, Minority Porter is pretty. That's a that's a good one, and and, and a gem because that's not an album that most people <laughs> would would point to. Uh, Kingdom Come would not it, 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 it doesn't make the top of his oeuvre, right? Like like, like if I was if I was making. <laughs> <laughs> You're now listening to the What Hip Hop Questions Legend List. We'll be right back after the break. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Uh, and and let, let me say this, right? Because I feel like sometimes um, in these conversations, it's necessary. It's not necessary to say, but sometimes people are like purposely go over it. So we're less acknowledged. Yes, there are there are many ways to get music. There are there's a ton of music out there. But why do you feel if you agree? Why do you feel that the shift in in putting the eyes on the political rap? Um, has changed over the years, or, or is, is, is there is there something media wise going on, or do you just feel like the music and the artists are less radical? I don't think the artists are less radical or more radical. I think there's so much interesting stuff happening. I think in some ways, I mean, again, there was a small slice of rappers that were doing that, um, but it became the thing to do, and then suddenly the the industry was like, oh wait, 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 we're gonna shift from this, nah, nah. Enough of this shit. Enough of this public enemy shit. I need more. 
I need more niggas killing niggas, right? And suddenly <laughs> you go from political hip hop to gangster rap as the centerpiece, right? It's suddenly gangster rap becomes the centerpiece of mainstream yeah. hip hop. Um, and that kind of a shift is, I'm, is not coincidental. Um, what the industry would say is, well, you know, we, we, we here to make money and whatever sales we'll put out, but we create appetites for things. Mm. Right? We create desire, right? People don't just wake up wanting certain things. Um, we create an energy around it. And, and so that now people want more of this and want less of that. I remember, um, even in the nineties, when you think about our consumerist aspirations, right? The, the, the shit we rapped about, you could still get. Yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah. I push a Q45 Infinite, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Who Drive Millennia, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, cars that I couldn't afford, but like, if I if I worked, I could. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like now we talking about Bugatti. Benz with the spoiler. Right. Like, yeah. We knew people with Benz. We knew people with Axe. We knew people with Q45. I mean, people our age driving around the hood, whether they sell drugs, just worked at the post office double time, could get some of them cars. Like, like our aspirations, Lexus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Our, our aspirations were were within the realm of possibility, so we could still connect to this. Now the shit is so uh, astronomically far that it's disconnected from hood realities, right? Um, it's, it's the, the, the artists aren't in conversation with, with, with the vulnerable in the same way, in my estimation. And so there's something about that, I think, that has shifted over time. I love, I love that um, artists today have more reach and more access. But I remember, I'll give you one more example. Even when Obama was elected and people, you know, like my president is black, I'm with that, right? I get the idea of the pride and the investment, but there was a time when hip hop's job was to hold the White House accountable, not to mm. celebrate. I know the president's black, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. But I'm saying, even post, where's the Biden critiques? Where's mm. where's more Trump critiques? And you know, I, and I, you know, we need more of that. We need more language of critique. We need more powerful. Um, did fuck uh, Donald Trump feel like that? Or did yeah, yeah. I, for us, for me, it did because I'm not. I'm not a, you know, political minded, you know, I, I, I'm able to have rational thinking. I have critical thinking right. skills, but I'm not, uh, I'm not an activist or I'm not in these spaces, um, leading thoughts to, you know, political change as you are. So did, did fuck Donald Trump by, by Nip and, um, you know, rest in peace Nip by, um, YG and Nip. Did that in that moment when you heard that, did that feel like that or did it just feel like a cheap, cheap ploy or like, you it know, it didn't feel cheap to me. It felt like, um, you know, it felt like it felt like an opportunity to enter the conversation, right? Um, think about Nip, and I didn't know him well at all, but I I know that he read, yeah, he read deeply and widely, and he had the ability to not just say "fuck Donald Trump," but break down why these systems are are problematic, right? And he was growing; that was a growth area for him. But he was growing and learning and studying, like we all do. Um, I love the the spectacle. Right. The spectacle is the fuck Donald Trump, but it's what's underneath that. It's the layers. Right. But you got to get an audience hooked first. You get them hooked with the fuck Donald Trump. Right. Like like Jay-Z can't come out with four, four, four first. Mm. Right? Mm. He, he's got the world hooked on his genius and on his braggadocious lyrics. Although from reasonable doubt for he's always sprinkled the analysis mm. in. Right. Mm. But my point is. Once he gets you into a point where you'll listen to what he has to say, he can talk to you about how 
housing projects, right? Right. A project is, is, is just that a project, a project, project, right? project, because it's a project. Exactly. I wrote a book. Nobody. I wrote. I wrote. I wrote a whole chapter on the history of Black American projects. But no one wants to hear me talk about Taylor Holmes or or Cabrini Green or any of that stuff. And, and, and until they get to a space to think that this is important information, and Jay Z gets us there. That's what a great artist can do, right? And it can be subtle. It can be smooth, right? It doesn't always have to be didactic. It doesn't always have to be I'm teaching you these facts and dates, right? It can be that, but it doesn't have to be that. There are artists that do that well. Dead Prez does that brilliantly, right? Because they can actually rap, right? You know, they're great MCs and they got great information and great politics. Some people got great politics, but they can't rap, right? Because mm. that's the other thing. When we talk about political hip hop, we got to be mindful that it's not enough. Just like, it's just like, and I'm not into this at all, but like gospel rap is a thing people like, but a lot of gospel rappers can't rap. Mm, right? They could just, they could just preach over music. Yeah. So, so if the message is right, but you don't have talent, it doesn't help. Right. And if you have a lot of talent, but don't have a message, then it's not that political. So when the, when we're at our best, it's when somebody like Kendrick makes albums. Yeah. And for me, Kendrick makes to pimp a butterfly. Cool. There's a lot of messaging on that. And he, again, he's going through his own sort of, learning processes around around information, around faith, around power, all that stuff. But for me, the, the interesting political album for him is actually Good Kid, Mad City. I'm super interested here. So so for me, again, think about my, my NWA position. Yeah. Right? For me, the best thing he could do is give us a window window into the lived realities of what it means to be an urban America at that juncture in history, in the same way that NWA did, in the same way that, right? So so now you're coming in here and your songs are about your experiences, right? About what it means to lose homies, about what it means to to, to be a black girl, same black girl from section 80, right? To, to, to be a black girl undergoing objectification, street yeah. harassment, uh, human traffic, all this stuff, right? What does it mean to struggle with suicide? What does it mean, What what are young black men Alcoholism, alcoholism, yeah. right? If you actually live, so to me, that's 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 his his entry point. Now, once you fuck with him, you can listen to complexion, right? Which is great. So, although I think rap raps versus better, but like it, it, it's a beautiful song on both rap cities versus better, but it, but, but on both rap city called a body, yeah, oh, rap city called a body, yes, but like. When you, but to appreciate, and I can appreciate complexion from the gate. Yeah. But if I've already gotten hooked in with Good Kid, Mad City, that's something else. And some people will say, well, he's just rapping about it. It's like, yeah, but a lot of people do. YG does that. And I love YG, YG's albums, right? But YG's not doing political rap. There is a distinction. Well, I, would, I would question, I would, I would say maybe revisit My Crazy Life, his first album. Hmm. Okay. With the same eye you're looking at Kendrick's. Um, okay. Good Kid, Mad City, and and you would see that, right? Like okay. because the way he used the because of how intricate, and I think Kendrick did it as well. Um, I think a lot of West Coast artists like do it well. Um, when I, I'm talking about the um the way they uh interweave the skits, mm. it's not always being so uh dis disconnected from the last song, right? Like where yeah. okay, this song is done, then we're gonna do a skit to transit. No. They're weaving from the song right into the skit, right into the next song. So now you have this one cohesive story. So for me, my crazy life is just as political in that sense. It's just as political as 
you hear Kendrick's Good Kid, Mad City. It's just done in a more. I don't have the I don't have the triple entendres in, uh, and, I, and I don't have the automatopoeia, but I have this right here. I I am a I am a, a bomb. Th- I am a treetop blood, and this is the day in the life. And if you take that with that same eye, you'll be like, okay, this day in the life is because of this systemic issue. Okay. I'm gonna revisit it. I I know the album. Um, I don't know it well. I'm only I'm, so I'll revisit it and, and listen to it with those ears. That's helpful. That's actually helpful for me. Thank you for that, brother. That's, no that's good um, shit. Not just music though, like arts, black art as a whole, right? The, yeah. I feel like then maybe you can help me. I feel like some of the are we doing too much looking for these artists to be these thought leaders? Are we doing too much? Are we putting too much pressure? Uh, to to eventually end up disappointed when we try and make politicians out of our artists. Yeah, you know that's a good question. There's something um, if we want to get free, we need all kinds of things, right? Um, and we need the cultural stuff to be right. But I think at our best, the artists are a reflection of our movement and our politics. They will help us move. They help us organize. They help us do, again, I think about Harry Belafonte, right? Harry Belafonte in 1963, when we had the March on Washington, was not only the most famous black artist in America, he may have been the biggest celebrity in America, certainly the biggest musician, right? I mean, Harry Belafonte at his height, there's nobody bigger. Okay. Yeah, so I want people to get that because now people think of him as the you know ninety year old elder right. statesman. But at, at that time, he was the Jay Z. He was our Jay Z. Yeah, he was our Jay Z. And Harry Belafonte sat with the great Paul Robeson. He studied with um, leaders. He met with activists and organizers. He was friends with Martin Luther King, but mm-hmm. he wasn't speaking at the March on Washington. He gave Martin Luther King money to help March on Washington happen. Right. So what did he do? He used his, his influence. He used his resources. He used his power to help us get free. And in his own world, he created, he, he created things. He built things. I think that's what artists should do at their best. Um, now, there was nothing in Harry Belafonte's music. They like come me one go home, right? <laughs> Wasn't a freedom song. Right. But every dollar from that freedom song, from that song helped us get free way more than some of the freedom songs that got made. Mm. You know, so I think that I think that that's one slice of it. Then there are artists like like our black arts poets, the great Sonia Sanchez, the, the great Haki Matabuti, the great Gwendolyn Brooks. Right. Who made art explicit the, the we could look to the, 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 the last poets, you know, and other artists. Right. Who use their music. I'm assuming who use their art beyond this music, right, to to explicitly educate us and organize us and help us get free. That's a that's a lane, too. Right. I, I think, though, where we go wrong is not whether artists play an activist role or, you know, or anything like that. I think where we go wrong is when we expect, and you alluded to this, when we expect the artist to lead the movement, when we suddenly say, we're not free and it's Jay-Z's fault. Where Nas at? You know, or oh, Coast Contra's coming up. Who I love, by the way, Coast Contra's coming up. Let's yeah. th- th- we're th- huge th- Coast Contra fans here. Yeah. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. Th- 
we, you know, that's that's the new leader of the movement. You know, it's like, nah, they're brilliant artists who are doing dope shit. And, let, and let's appreciate that and let them figure out who they are. As, and to say, look to who that music is inspiring. Right. That's a good, that's a good way to think of it. Right. So, yeah. so that's the right question to ask, right? Who is this music inspiring and how can this, how can that information help us educate them, organize them to help them get free? My job isn't to go to Coast Contra and, fi- and, and start feeding them talking points so the next album has, you know, excerpts from my book in it, right? Because, <laughs> you know, that's what some people want to do, right? They want to take these artists and feed them information and hope that they'll, that, you know, that they'll suddenly become parrots for their, their line, yeah, their yeah. politics, whatever. That ain't it. That ain't it for me. Like, I, I think that question of who is this art inspiring is the right place to start. And also, uh, the other question I would ask is why? Why is this? Why does this move people? Why does this art inspire them? What is it about this text, this this image, this this sound that that stirs something in people? When we hear Kendrick Lamar, uh, "All Right," mm-hmm. that's the anthem of, of Ferguson Summer. Yeah. What is it about hearing? Right, I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up. But if God got us, then we gonna be all right. What is it about that line, that bar? that resonates with a whole generation of people. And there's something in it. It's not just catchy. We got a lot of catchy shit. Yeah. Right? There's something in it that speaks to our soul. It's revolutionary. It's soul stirring. And I feel like the whole song is that. He did something that I haven't really, at least to my, I know everybody gets caught up in the moment, like this was a great, but that was one of the most revolutionary songs I had heard. And I grew up with a, you met my father before I grew up with, a a five percenter inspired, you know, somebody who did time before. So I grew up around a lot of revolutionary. But hearing that in my adult age, it was like every bar. You know what I mean when he yep. said, "Um, and, I, and when I wake up, I know they recognize me for the pay cut, yeah. for the pay down, Steven. It was like, yo, he's he's talking to us, like he's really yeah. talking to us in a in a in a revolutionary way, in a way that. You know, I felt when I heard, uh, and, and I, I know people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're dragging it," but the same way I felt when I first heard um, Malcolm X's "When the Roosters Come Home to to, to, to Grow." Come home, roost, yeah. Um, I felt the same way when I first heard "All Right." It was like, okay, <laughs> what, uh, what am I hearing? Okay, and you know okay. why? You know why? Because there's a, there's a there's a thread that cuts across that from Malcolm and the rest of the nation um, to. To, to this song you're talking about, all right. And that is, there's an analysis of the world. There's an acknowledgement that we're not perfect, that we're broken. Yeah. Right? But we don't have to be perfect to be useful. We don't have to be perfect to struggle for freedom. We don't have to be perfect to win, right? And it's undergirded by faith, whether it's warranted or not, we could debate that, that we will be victorious, that our struggle will be rewarded. We gonna be all right, man. That's the message. That, that is that is the message of the wounded healer, right? Mm. That is the message of the freedom fighter. That is the message of our ancestors. We gonna be all right. Damn, you know I could talk to you for hours, days. Um, so before I get to, you know, before I let you get, like I said, this is the what have our question legend and list. It's all about hip hop here. Um, and you already kind of touched upon it earlier, so I just want to like, you know, dive a bit deeper in it before I let you go. What are what are like two songs that like, 
what is the song that is like that 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 when you grew up? What was the most like rat? Not rats. What's the word I'm looking for? What was the most like rambunctious song that you know got you into hip hop? And then what was the one that politicized you? Almost, you know, like so we get that juxtaposition yeah. of every like, hip hop fan. So I grew up sharing a bedroom with my brother, who was a couple years older. So um, he bought everything. He bought all the cassette tapes, and honestly, it was um, it was KRS One. Okay, and I didn't think about KRS One as it's funny because when I heard Criminal Minded, I didn't think of, I wasn't thinking about KRS One as the teacher. I wasn't thinking about KRS One as the, the 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 scholarly MC, right? You know what I mean. I heard Boogie Down Productions. Productions will always get paid, right? We take the wackiest song right? and make them better. And uh, and uh, remember to let us into your skin, right? So when I'm hearing that, I'm like, oh, this dude got swag. He talks shit. He could rhyme, right? There was something, um. There was something about it that just felt right to me, and that was my. I heard that flow. I mean, I, I'm saying we like I was dead, but like y'all hadn't. That yeah, no, it was that it was different. Was new to hip hop. The way he was attacking that verse. Yes, minded you, blinded looking for a style like mine. You can't find like we. That was very much nuanced then. Yeah, compared to the. Oh, oh, he, oh, he, had, oh. he had a modernist. He had a he had a modern flow, right? I mean, it was him, G Rap. Yeah. Um. Of course, Rakim. Ob. It, right. It was it was a very small group of people that were now came flowing with the track as opposed to you know what I'm saying, the kind of caricatures that we hear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh so 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 that was part of it. So for me it was that it was um it was uh it was him, it was Slick Rick. Slick Rick, you know, I I, I still remember hearing children's story and being like, oh shit, like and it's interesting because I didn't. Again, you could you could argue children's story has a social message. I didn't think about it like that. I thought about it as it was just was hip hop to me. That, it was that, just like was, I was going to ask you that. Like, do you? Because now that I think about it, yes, it's a song that like all the white people who like say they grew up on hip hop, they know it, or it's like a song that like you right. might hear in like a bar or a happy hour, and everyone knows right. the words. But when you think about it, it's a social issue. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he's covering, he's covering poverty. He's covering homelessness. He's covering. Uh, I mean that that cop was a little aggressive. Cop was a little aggressive. I was a little aggressive. And for me, it was like the voice. I never heard a voice like that before. Right, right, right. I'm sitting in North Philly here, and this 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 British ass voice, right? This this smooth ass flow. Like I understand none of that. I just knew that he could rap. Um, and then I'm I'm gonna throw one more. I'm gonna throw a couple more. And I know I'm cheating, right? <laughs> that was still my brother's like stuff, and I, that what got me into hip hop. You know what really put me on was um was Black Sheep. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My pops love Black Sheep. Man, when I heard the choice is yours yeah. by middle school, man, I was I was hooked, man. Cause and, and again, just just you know, Dress could just rap. You know what I mean? And by then it was on my own terms. So I was hearing that. That and mama said knock you out, LL. You know what I mean? Who does not get enough credit, right? You know, LL Cool J. I heard her older LL stuff, but Mama said knock you out was my shit. Right? I was on the school bus rapping that shit. And I remember like, I remember just again, like it was the energy, it was the power. It, I wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking about nothing about politics. I wasn't thinking nothing about being an organizer or a scholar. Right? I wasn't thinking about that. I just, they were. I just loved how they sounded. I loved, I loved their their vibe. I loved their energy. Um, it, it it spoke to my it spoke to my soul, man. And um, as I got older, 
you know what I mean? I, I started to get more into like battle rap. I started to go, you know what I mean? I got, you know, I, I knew about all the bridge wars and stuff, but I was, you know, I, I was too young to really appreciate it at the time. But I went back and was like, oh shit. And it was like, oh wait. And when Roxanne shot, oh, she's the ball. Okay. You know, <laughs> now go back and listen to Money Love. Like, oh wow. Oh, Latifah. Oh shit. Right. Then I was able to contextualize that stuff. And then, um, I think the era of hip hop, um, that I resonate with the most isn't even those eras. Um, the eras that I resonate more are like the cultural nationalist stuff, the stuff where they weren't rapping about politics per se, but they were just so proud to be black. And the images were black, the sounds were black, the hair was black, the colors were black. You know, so so when Diggable Plants album comes out um, in the early 90s, I wanna say 92, but I might be wrong. They, uh, Reputation, time, and space, like cool, like that is the one everybody knows. But for me, it was where I'm from. It was La Femme Fatale. It, you know, it was Jimmy digging cats. It was that kind of stuff. A tribe for me was everything. You know what I mean? The roots later would become everything. Um, and, 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 and that stuff resonated with me because it made even, even, uh, 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 uh arrested development, right? P- you know, people every day or Tennessee, right? It was like there was a way that these artists, when I saw them, I, I wanted to look different. I wanted to sound different. I wanted to dress different. Blackness was was becoming more and more central to my identity. You know, Common after not not on um, the first album, right? Um, Can I borrow a dollar? But but from from Resurrection yeah. forward was like a, a was like a drink of water in the desert for me because I, I got to watch a black man develop culturally and politically at the same time that I was doing that shit, right? So when when he goes from from Resurrection to um one day it'll all make sense to uh to um uh, like water for chocolate he's shifting his faith he's shifting how he talks about things he's shifting how he dresses he's shifting you know all this stuff and i i i followed the vibe all the way up through electric circus all the way to find it forever or, or to be then find it forever i'm like i get this so i so hip-hop also gave me models of black manhood that were different, but then I could understand. He still talked about one. He still talked about hood shit. He still talked about nigga shit. He still talked about shit that I thought was cool now that I would look back on now, but that wasn't. But I could resonate with it. It helped me be a freer, more more articulate, more thoughtful, more reflective person. Um, flawed as hell, but it helped me be somebody. And I and I and that's with him. That's with Nas. That's with Hope. That's with Lauren. That's with uh, Gene Gray. That's with. Um, quality, most deaf. It's, it, I just, I grew through hip hop and it wasn't the people always holding the picket sign. It was the people who, um, who are willing to be open and, and honest and transparent and black. And there's nothing more political than that. Mm. Mm. Way to, way to send it home. Way to send it home. The, the consummate <laughs> professional and wordsmith and thought, thoughter, uh, Mark, it's it's always a pleasure uh, when it's when, you know when we have an opportunity to chop it up with you whether in person uh, or on, on mics whatever. So um, one, like I said earlier, thank you so much for for making some time to come over and chop yeah, it up. Yeah, with always, bro. Um, please let them let the people know how they can support the book and anything else you got coming out. Yeah, man, I got I got a lot of projects coming out, a lot of stuff out, man. The key is just follow me on all social media. Mark Lamont Hill, just my whole name. Uh, the book is called Seen and Unseen. Uh, it's in bookstores everywhere. Anywhere you get books, get it. I prefer if you got it from my own bookstore, support a black bookstore. 
uh, Uncle Bobby's. It's UncleBobbies.com. Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books. That's my bookstore in Philadelphia. We're one of the largest black bookstores in America. You can get everything online from us. So support Uncle Bobby, support the book, uh, and just let's keep struggling for freedom. Now, thank you so much, Mark, for being touch soon. But until then, please keep speaking truth to power and keeping, keeping your foot on these neck. Yes, sir. <laughs> I think I'll talk to you soon. And as for you guys uh, listening at home, make sure you tune into the What If I Question Legend list each and every Monday. We'll be here uh, on, you can get it on iHeartRadio, on the iHeart uh, app, or you can listen anywhere you stream podcasts. Till then, we'll see y'all or talk to y'all next week. Peace. Don't miss an episode of The What? Hip Hop Questions, Legends, and Lists. Listen and subscribe on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The What? Hip Hop Questions, Legends, and Lists podcast is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network, and our executive producer is Darren Byrne and produced by A-King. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.